A very good morning, TVF Central. It's so nice to be at church. It's, uh, still, uh, physically, we are not uh, we're here sitting uh, next to each other, but uh, we've been meeting for a while, and uh, we do hope and pray that soon we'll get to meet back over here again. But here I have uh, with me uh, Webhav, Avishek, Anket. Thank you so much, brothers, for uh, being over here. And uh, uh, we, in the morning uh, before the service, uh, met at uh, 10 o'clock at the Zoom uh, location. All the locations are now virtual on YouTube, Zoom. And we prayed for uh, Queenie Auntie. Uh, probably she's going to be discharged in a day or so. And uh, evening, we have Amit Robinson's uh, memorial service. Uh, please do join. We have sent out the links and email and WhatsApp. We'll do that after the service again. And uh, let's uh, stand by with Veena and Avishai at that memorial time. On Tuesday, 8th of uh, June, evening 7.15 to 8.15, uh, we would conduct a session on understanding grief. We did that on uh, last Thursday in Hindi this Tuesday, it's in English, uh, sort of a mixture, English and Hindi. We learn uh, how to even process grief, how to even uh, see the meaning of uh, this uh, season and how do we uh, not only handle it for ourselves but help others walk along in this season. Let's pray before we go into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for this platform that we could... Uh, uh, congregate. This is a new sort of uh, 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 normal, if we say so, that uh, we can't see each other, but we know we are there. And uh, in this uh, season, we are grateful for your mercies. We are grateful for uh, the hand of grace you have had over us. The healings we uh, have seen and witnessed, miracles we have seen, there have been uh, departures uh, from amidst us. Uh, there are our loved ones who have been uh, graduated into glory and in your presence now. And there are some uh, young ones uh, we have uh, had in, uh, included in our families. We pray for them as well. Lord, we pray for today's word that we may be stuck, glued, captured by a word. No distractions would... Uh, be big enough to uh, take away our attention. We pray that uh, we would be found different after the word and the instrument you use to speak out your word, the limitation may not be a barrier for the word to be spoken out clearly and rightly. We pray this in the name of dear Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In uh, 1976 on uh, probably uh, July, there was a very daring uh, uh, anti-terrorism uh, rescue uh, which was uh, taking place and uh, that was uh, by the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, a lot of Israelites were uh, taken hostage, hijacked uh, in an Air France which was flying from Tel Aviv to Paris. They were taken to Uganda. And this was the famous rescue of NTB in 1976. Now, there's a lot of uh, theories around this, but that this particular rescue, this particular rescue ops has been, uh, a lot of movies have been made, and this is also studied in uh, 
military academies and also just for general interest, uh, how did they plan that? How did they strategize that? It was a very successful mission. And three things were uh, labeled as uh, the pillars for success of this mission. The first was they knew their enemy well. They knew very well whom they were against. They knew themselves very well. What were their limitations? What were their strengths? What could they do? And the third and the most important thing was they knew where their orders came from. They knew how far they could go based on their commander or the people in charge for this particular operations. So three things, uh, they knew their enemy, they knew themselves, they knew their commander. And that's uh, known as a classical uh, understanding of the art of warfare, the art of war. Today, we are in a season which is very confusing. Today, we are in a season where we probably might not be able to make out much of it. Today, we are in a season where we would say, let's finish this and get on with a normal life. Who knows, this is a normal, new normal life. And we would say, we have to combat this. How do we combat this? How do we, uh, how do we uh, make sense out of it and walk through this? Some of us have even started saying, oh, I'll just forget what's happening around me. I'll just grow numb and walk through this. But the war is not just for this season. The war has been raging since the fall. And the war will be on till the time our Lord returns and establishes his kingdom. But one by one, one by one, he's picking up his elite. He's picking up his elite missionaries and sending them out on his mission in this world. We are in the book of Acts and uh, the series in the book of Acts is known as the Acts of Invasion. If you say so, the Acts of Invasion of the Holy Spirit, Acts of Invasion of the, even the problems because they, they, they push the missionary efforts and the Acts of Invasion of the missionary efforts of the believers of first century as well. And today, a lot is to be learned uh, uh, by today's passage. Today's passage is taken from a chunk from Acts 13 to 15, we would call that the first missionary journey of Paul and also uh, the Jerusalem Council. And in this particular uh, journey and Jerusalem Council, we uh, learn actually the expectations we need to have or to know when we engage into missionary activities. And these missionary activities are not simple. It's just not uh, making up a budget, sending somebody and getting this done. It's an actual warfare. It's an actual act of war. And who else to learn it from but the Holy Spirit. And learning from Him comes the understanding of the art of warfare, the art of war, art of missionary warfare. And again, uh, three things are very essential as we, um, uh, as we gauge from uh, the art of war. Knowing ourselves, knowing the enemy, and knowing our commander. We, jump into, uh, we quickly jump into the uh, passage. The passage is taken from uh, Acts chapter 13, verse uh, 1 onwards to 3. We will uh, look at uh, what, what, what do we learn about... Uh, our commander, what do we learn about ourselves, and what do we learn about our enemy? 
Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called a Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. There are clear two observations over here. Uh, observation about uh, the insistence and the direction coming from the Holy Spirit and the acts of uh, the believers, the acts of the leaders of the Antioch church. Uh, the, the scene has shifted from Jerusalem to Antioch. Antioch is a, uh, a city around uh, 350 to 400 kilometers north uh, towards the coast uh, of Jerusalem. And uh, the city came about, uh, the, the church in the city came about after the martyrdom of Stephen where uh, people fled and this was an enactment of Acts 1-8 done in a reverse in Acts 8-1 where persecution came on the church in Jerusalem and people fled and they came at the different places, settled down there and they would have come to Antioch. The church was started. Barnabas came over here. He uh, brought Paul from Tarsus and they became leaders of this church and this church was uh, really um, uh, on fire. And, and, you would say, and you can say that, see that uh, they were praying, fasting, seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was talking and giving them instructions. So this particular missionary activity or uh, this particular instruction has not come out of uh, persecution, but the direct uh, uh, command of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's a command when uh, the word says, set apart for me Barnabas, it's an imperative command. And, and uh, what he means to say is that just cordon them off. There should be no interference of any administrative work, any budgetary requirement, any other ministry requirement. They just need to be set apart for this particular act, this particular work which I'm going to send them out for. So let them prepare. And, they, uh, and, and uh, you would see that how, how, uh, how this uh, came about. Uh, probably it would have come about by the consensus in the church or by somebody coming up and saying, uh, God spoke to me and uh, would you pray about it? Would you read the word about it? And would you confirm? And finally, all of them in unison would have confirmed. And they started um, preparing and uh, praying for them and they laid their hands and sent them out. The first thing we learn about God, the one who sends us out, the one who gives us the command is the fate of the mission is in Lord's hand. It's not in our hand. The fate of the mission is in Lord's hand because he is giving the command. He's sending us out. So the three things, uh, if we have to uh, go out and uh, do the mission, if we are called to mission and we are in any and everywhere where we are uh, placed, that's a mission field then we should know the one who gives us the command, us and the enemy. What we are against, what will be the obstructions, what will be the problems. So the, the one who gives us the command, God, we should know that the fate of the mission, the fate of the calling is in his hands. It's not in ours. And of course, this is a tall, tall claim, and, uh, and, and we would always go to Psalm 23 where the word says, Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your presence goes with me. 
it's it's quite daunting. It's it's uh, it's huge. Where uh, I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death, like it's uh, it's uh, evilness around me, and I will not fear because your presence is with me. And it is because uh, in First uh, Corinthians 15, uh, the word very clearly says, uh, "Death is swallowed up in victory." That means victory is bigger than death, which deters us. It's uh, d- victory is swallowing death. It's it's uh, uh, engulfing it. And uh, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us victory through Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you see over here, death is a deterrent. Fear is a deterrent. Evilness is a deterrent for the mission work. But the one who sends you out for mission is even bigger than death, evilness and sin. That means the fate of the mission, not only the fate of the mission, the fate of the enemy is in God's hand. So now this sets, the, uh, this sets us uh, free from just being worried about what will happen, how do I go about it. No, it gives you the freedom to know that the calling comes from God, the fate of your mission is in the hands of God, even the fate of your enemy is in the hands of God. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is in me the world, than the world in the world. So what do I have to fear? And the second thing which we uh, see in uh, Acts 13, 1-3 is that uh, the mission's progress is set on the speed of trust and obedience. The pace of the mission, the progress of the mission is set on the speed of trust and obedience of the believers. You would see that they were like uh, heavyweights over there. Uh, uh, Simeon, uh, Lucius, uh, 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 and uh, Minyan, and, Her- uh, and uh, Saul, and Barnabas. Uh, some were from northern um, uh, Africa, from the coast of northern Africa, and uh, uh, Menian was a, a, f- a friend of Herod. He would have been brought up in Herod's uh, court, and he, he would have worked around uh, and lived along the elites. And Saul, with his background, Barnabas, uh, with his loving nature and um, full of the spirit, these guys uh, obviously were heavyweights, were uh, there together. But when they got the call, they just uh, set out the best. They set out Barnabas and Paul. They said, okay, let these best guys go out of us. And uh, 1 John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That means uh, the love believers had amongst themselves, the love the church had uh, within itself displays God displays the love of God and it's just not the love which talks about okay let's sit down together let's have a comfortable time and I'll, I'll share I'll hear from you no no it also means doing stuff for others and that would be sacrificial uh, expression of uh, God's love and this is this is where it uh, comes down to that uh, knowing yourself also means that you and me in this church wherever we are we are called to have trust amongst each other and the trust we have amongst each other the speed of this trust sets the pace for the mission sets the pace of God's work so if God has called us for mission and it's just not going out into Africa or into the hills or into the villages even in the city of Delhi whatever God has called us to do 
that pace will be set based on the trust we have for each other. So two things that till now, we know uh, the one who gives us the command, the fate of our mission and the fate of enemy is in his hands. The second thing is uh, about us, the uh, trust, if uh, the speed of trust is good, then the pace of the mission and the pace of calling is also set right. If we know these two things, then we know what God is setting us up for. Last year, uh, we had the rites in Northeast uh, Delhi. And in the rites, uh, we saw the churches of Delhi coming together. And there was no distinction. Or there was no distinction. These are the Baptist churches, or this is DBF, these are Pentecostal, these are mainline. This was uh, uh, probably uh, a, a church of Delhi combined together. And there was no particular leader or nobody who was guiding the movement. It, it, they just came together and they served the people who were in pain. They were suffering at that point of time with the consequence of the rights. And it was just not uh, giving out food. It was going out, praying for them, comforting them emotionally and mentally, hearing them out, then uh, setting up uh, medical camps, and, uh, and then also uh, uh, legal uh, remedies were being uh, provided. All those things put, uh, put together, whatever we could do as a community, we did. Not everything is found in DBF Central. Not everything is found in another churches or other denominations. We got together and the strength of this community came through. Because there was trust amongst each other. And very quickly we regrouped. And we saw that again. We saw that again in the second wave. In second wave, uh, 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 the things which uh, the Church of Delhi could do together, I, I don't imagine... I can't imagine if we could have done it uh, if we didn't uh, group together last year. And that trust carried on to 2021. And based on that trust, based on the speed of this trust, the pace for this mission of God's comfort, God's healing, even God's kingdom being proclaimed was set. And very quickly, you would see that uh, the mental health uh, and emotional health uh, helpline was set up. The medical health, uh, medical helpline was set up. Uh, a, a medical center was set up in a school. Uh, the prayer lines were set up. Even in our church, we have uh, uh, we, we've been continuously praying for almost a, a month now. And, uh, and even though we have not met, but not a day goes by where we, we would say, Oh, I have not been in touch with the church. I have not met uh, our, our congregants. The pace has been set by God. And He's expecting us to trust each other. And with that speed, the pace is set. So, you would say, now things would become simpler, things would become easier. Uh, let's see what, what happens. Uh, moving on, uh, they, they, they now move, uh, so this is the missionary uh, journey of uh, Paul and uh, Barnabas, and now they move on from uh, uh, they move on from Antioch, and they move on to Cyprus, and in Cyprus they go to a extreme west end uh, town of uh, Paphos. There they meet Bar Jesus. He's a magician, and he's in touch with the proconsul, who is uh, Sergius Paulus. And Sergius Paulus is a very intelligent man, as per the word. But uh, when whenever they uh, he wants. Uh, Paul to, and Barnabas to talk about the new information, the new religion they talk, want to talk about. He, they always see that the, the magician Bar Jesus uh, always comes and sort of distracts them, is, is always coming as an obstruction. So here you see the immediately the enemy coming into play. And the first thing uh, about the enemy over here you see is that uh, there is sort of a spiritual warfare going around here. A satanic uh, oppression over here. 
And Paul rebukes him in verse 10, um, chapter 13, verse 10. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking the people to lead him by hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what, he had, what had occurred. For he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now here the proconsul uh, saw what happened. And obviously he was under the influence of this magician. But he saw that uh, immediately the influence was gone the, or, or the influence was crippled. Because uh, the influence was coming against the teaching of uh, Paul and Barnabas. And he being an intelligent man, he, he should not have been very surprised with different type of learnings he, had, he would have seen or heard or even uh, believed in. But uh, here uh, there is a learning which came about with power and also with uh, intellectually uh, tingling him. And he was astonished at this fact. So we have seen till now uh, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the missionary of warfare... We should know the one who gives us the command. And the one who gives us the command has the fate of the mission and enemy in his hand. And we should also know about ourselves. If we are trusting each other, that sets the pace for the missionary endeavor. And the third thing is about the enemy. And in the enemy, we, we, we will look at the three aspects of uh, the enemy. And the first is the satanic oppression and in, uh, in in the in, in that what we will uh, what we will we are seeing right now is that there is no culture today where uh, one degree or the other degree uh, we have a spiritual b battle happening it would happen uh, in the west they will say well there's nothing as uh, satanic or as nothing as evil as you would say so and that's the best uh, plot for uh, the evil one that nobody believes in him and here of course it's evident around us and uh, we, uh, what, what God calls us to do over here is to directly confront the hostile spiritual power, not in our strength, but in His strength. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 talks about the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. And uh, what uh, Paul has written um, in Second Corinthians 10.3.6, uh, uh, these inspirations would have come from the Holy Spirit out of his experience of his missionary journeys. And in Second Corinthians 10.3-6 he writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when our disobedience our disobedience is complete. You, you see, um, uh, the, the word is obedience. And here... Obedience makes you bold. What we learn is obedience makes you bold. So knowing your enemy, coming across uh, satanic forces, it's not you. It's Lord Jesus. But our obedience makes us bold, makes us the instrument of Lord Jesus to come about and stand up in this situation.
What is it in your and my life today, brothers and sisters, which is of disobedience? We would say, well, I'm battling this, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And obviously, uh, we, nobody has got a, uh, uh, all the things worked out or we have a copybook solution for every situation. But let us look at ourselves. What is of disobedience in us today? Is it a habit? It is a particular attitude. It is uh, 90% visible to God and 10% my own. Is it, there, is, is it a requirement for us to confess something to our Lord? Is it something which has become so habitual we don't even know whether that needs to be confessed? We have been away uh, from the fellowship of, uh, the, in, in the, in the like in-person fellowship of uh, believers on this church. And we have been at our home for now almost uh, two months uh, since before the Sunday of uh, Easter. And we have been at ho home and uh, only visible expression or in only uh, visibility we have had is through the Zoom or through uh, the video chats or whatever it is. And it's quite easy to mask our real self in these situations. What is it that we need to confess? What is it that we need to find obedience in? And finding the boldness to fulfill God's calling in your and my life. Is there a relationship to be mended? Is there a problem which we are struggling with? Do we need to come to the Lord and come for obedience? So that's the first problem. The second, uh, second uh, form of uh, problem which we see, a second form of uh, obstruction from the enemy we see is the worldly influence, the cultural uh, influence. Now they move on from Cyprus, they go to Antioch, they don't go to, this, this Antioch is not, uh, this Antioch is in Turkey, and uh, they, they straight away go there, there's a uh, bigger Jewish population, they preach the word over there, people have uh, generated a substantial interest, and then they, uh, then they call them the next week to come and talk about it again, the whole town is there, that means the interest is generated. But what happens next week is that, uh, that there are people uh, who are filled with uh, their uh, jealousy and they are seeing that the, uh, Paul and Barnabas are getting popular. So they just uh, incite, uh, re uh, revolt against these guys and uh, they reject them. So there is rejection over here. And then uh, these guys, uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas, move to Lystra. There's a huge miracle over there. People see that miracle. Uh, there's a fan following for uh, Barnabas and Paul, and they call them gods. And uh, they, they are actually, uh, they, they disapprove of this fan following. They say, we are not gods. We are just mere people like you and me. Uh, on the side, not talking about humility and leadership. This, uh, these guys were uh, like uh, the leaders of Antioch Church. They were doing really well. They were sent out on missionary journey, and they are going uh, about doing their work. And now there's an opportunity for them to find that fame and glory. People are calling them God, and they reject that. They said, no, no, it's not us. And it's just not saying, no, 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 that's okay. No, it's actual, uh, like they tear off their clothes and all. They feel so remorseful of this situation that, sorry, God, no, I hope we didn't do anything in which they thought that we are you. They're truth, truthfully remorseful. They're truthfully very uh, like sad about the situation. And 
still in this situation also they find rejection at Lystra. What do we make of this? What we make is, going back to the first thing, who is sending you? God, the Holy Spirit. And it is uh, the, in the fate and the conquest of the mission and the enemy is in his hands. So is in this culture as well. That means for us, for you and me, it's just that we need to hold on in spite of rejection. Uh, there is a story about a young pastor. He comes to an older pastor. He's about to start his uh, pastoral uh, career and uh, right out of the seminary. And he says, uh, uh, dear, old, uh, dear pastor, uh, you have years of experience. Would you kindly connect me with a church which is perfect, which doesn't have any problems? And I want to start my pastoral career with this sort of a church where I'll have a lot to learn. And then probably graduate into places where I can start investing. That was a nice thought. That was a, a good intent thought. The older pastor tells him, there is a church which I know is a good church. Well, a very clean church. You, that's, that's a church where I think is a, a really good church. But I think you will not fit in over there. He says, what, what happened? I, like I've got all, all the things required to be a pastor. He said, you have all the things required to be a pastor, but you will not fit in there because that's a perfect church and you will bring imperfection over there. So I don't want you to go there. Well, that, that, uh, that, that was, uh, you can always take that on night and road. Uh, the, the fact is no church is perfect. In fact, imperfection has been a hallmark right after the fall. And we live in an imperfect world. We will always come against uh, uh, situations which will not go our way. And probably we are not in, uh, in alignment with what God has called. So definitely, uh, even if things come our way, probably we are not as per uh, what God's will is. But over here we see Paul and Barnabas are in alignment with God's will. And still they find rejection. And these rejections probably could have come to uh, test their faith and the resolve to hold on in for this mission which God has said. Because for God it was, uh, uh, it, 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 it didn't really matter people reject him or accept him. He had, he has his own ways to get people to uh, listen to him, get their attention. And over here, um, they, they see rejection and it's uh, God's uh, mission. So the fate of this mission and the fate of the enemy is in God's hand. So even if there is a rejection, they can hold on. And the same is for you and me, brothers and sisters, that we, in spite of rejection, how often we quickly give up on God's calling. I would, I would encourage you to know that today, there are statistics available uh, where almost uh, two, uh, two, one third of the world's population don't know Jesus Christ. We are living in North India. This is uh, one of the largest uh, people group uh, concentration in the world. And probably this is a place where the penetration of the gospel, gospel poverty is so much apart from other poverties. And you and me placed in the city of Delhi, you and me placed in North India, you and me placed in this country. 
we are living in the midst of this place which is ripe, which has got a potential for a lot of rejections. But there is a reason God has put you and me. There is a reason that you and me know the gospel. And if you and me know the gospel, then you and me becomes the instrument to fulfill this Bible verse where in Romans, uh, Paul himself says that... Uh, 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 how, how will they uh, uh, know uh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved yes but how until unless they don't call out how will they be saved until unless they don't believe how will they be saved until unless they don't hear how will they be saved until unless nobody preaches to them how will they be saved until unless nobody sent how will they be saved and until unless you and me are not obedient to what God is calling, how will this country be what to the Lord? And this is where your and my mission comes in the face of opposition as well. And uh, moving on, uh, in Acts 14, 20 to 21, uh, uh, it says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that uh, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So uh, there were rejections, but there were some disciples being also made. And this is a key uh, for missionary activities to concentrate on discipling, to concentrate on and not just having one man show, but to have people strengthened around the leaders who can take over his place. A good uh, sign of leadership is that you create a space where when you have to move out, actually nobody misses you. And moving on to the last opposition, the influence of our own um, flesh. So uh, knowing the enemy, the first was... Uh, satanic operation the second was the worldly influence the cultural influence and uh, the third is our own flesh internally and uh, this this uh, i'll take from chapter 15 uh, talks about the jerusalem council the word says in uh, uh, acts 15 verse 5 but some believers who belong to the party of pharisees rose up and said it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of the Moses. Now we are talking about the Gentiles coming into the faith and uh, the people, uh, the, uh, the believers in the Jerusalem church from the, the, the pharisaical background are saying, no, 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 they need to be like us before they are actually brought into the faith. Peter stands up, he says, uh, they have received a Holy Spirit without distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And uh, I've already, he already spoke about it last week. Um, and then uh, Barnabas and Paul uh, relates, uh, uh, talks about the signs and wonders which God has done in the Gentiles community to bring them to faith. And then finally, the leader of church in Jerusalem, James, speaks up. And he uh, is uh, speaking and uh, quoting uh, Amos 9, 11, 12, when he says in Acts 15, 16 to 18, he says, after this, I will return. He talks about uh, the millennium kingdom and he talks about Jesus' returning and establishing the kingdom. Where he says, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild it ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And listen to this very carefully. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things, know from of old. That means... The mention of Gentiles is back with Amos also. And he had prophesied that they will also come together. 
and their inclusion has uh, is not based on any works or any uh, 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 cultural adaptation it's just based on grace alone and then of course uh, P, uh, james says uh, that uh, in in the plan uh, god has a plan for israel also so for both jews and gentiles so what what he did over here was he sets the he sets the major he resolves the major doctrinal issues and now he comes down to practical matter, matters of fellowship then he says therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of gentiles who turn to god but should write to them abstain from the things polluted by idols from sexual immorality and from what has been strangulated strangled and from blood so that means he has resolved the doctrinal issues he said we have no problems are we on the same page yes everybody says yes they all agree but now he says okay let us just set certain uh, house rules they are like the practical uh, uh, issues to be just uh, sorted out so that they do not violate the conscience of the people whom they are joining as well so they they looked after the gentiles and they are now looking after the practices of the Jewish community and the intent is to bring them together and worship God together and for us today for you and me today it's quite clear in uh, in our church setting uh, that uh, we we should really not uh, bother and focus much on the cultural exclusivity or the, make the church a, a club for this set of people or this dialect of people or these uh, the, the uh, this is uh, a regional church this church belongs to this set of people uh, nobody else is welcome it's not that you would put up a sign and say nobody is welcome but you would do it through your attitude you would through do, do it through your um, uh, love which you would express and show racial discrimination uh, regionalism and in india we have a lot of people who come from different faith into the church so they would be first generation believers there will be second and third generation believers also and in this country of uh, different backgrounds even as a believer community it should be our resolve to accept everyone and not to indoctrinate them to become like us culturally yes uh, teaching the word is absolutely all right and that's very essential that's what a church should do but respect their backgrounds as well respect their upbringings respect their ordeals of persecution and accept them that way accept their spiritual experiences because certain people would have come with certain set of spiritual experience certain set of people in the second or third generation of christianity would have never experienced anything spiritually um, uh, uh, activated and 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 they they shouldn't even uh, call out names or they shouldn't say well uh, i don't know whether you are a believer or not if you have had these sort of no it it's it's just lord jesus christ being the center of our faith so we started with this raid on ntb the mission in ntb it was a successful mission and the success was based on them knowing the one who gives them the command knowing themselves and knowing the enemy for you and me brothers and sisters we don't have to wait for a missionary call we are already on the mission a personal life is a mission our home is a mission where we raise up children where we have marriages we grow we mature in marriage our our, our, our workplace is a mission field our church is a mission field the roads of delhi are the mission field our vacation to uh, different places are our mission field 
Our everyday life is a mission field. Uh, holding on to the red light is a mission field. Going to the malls now, probably, or an even uh, shop, shopping days or whatever the way the government is opening, is a mission field. How are we ready for this mission? Do we know the Lord who holds the fate of this mission and the enemy in his hand? Are we obedient and trustworthy in uh, trusting uh, each other enough so that we set the pace of this mission based on our trust, the speed of our trust? Or do we know, do we know the enemy, uh, the, the spiritual oppression, the satanic oppression, where our obedience uh, brings in the boldness to us? Do we know the cultural influences, the worldly influences which can uh, give us rejection but we still need to hold on? Do we know our own selves, our own flesh, which can bring us down, but we need to come uh, continuously uh, looking at Lord Jesus Christ and His example on the cross? We are up against a stiff opposition. And that opposition is manifested in fear. That opposition is manifested in death. But in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory. It's just taken up. It's gone. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is in sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always upsounding, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, know this, that we are in a mission field. Our life is a mission. And this mission field is sort of a war. And it's over here. If we have to be successful in this mission, it's over here that we need to know the one who gives us the command what enemy we are against and who are we and once we know this it becomes easier and also the word says the labor is not in vain we will not give up easily let's look at the cross as we partake in the Lord's table together 1 Corinthians 11, the word says in uh, verse 23 onwards, The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, we are called to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And as we are called to proclaim the Lord's death, that comes through knowing who God is? What are we against? 
and who are we? Take a moment, take 30 seconds and prepare yourselves and then we'll take the cup and bread together. Let's take the bread together. Dear Lord, thank you for constituting the Lord's Supper. It's a physical reminder for us for the scene, the actual scene on the cross. Lord, as we take the bread and drink the cup, we are reminded that we are communing not only amongst us, but we are communing with Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord who manifested his holiness, who manifested his lordship in a man physically walking this earth. And so much so that he became the emblem for our faith, emblem who would uh, take up all that is against Heavenly Father and bring us into the heavenly presence so that we are found righteous and we are found right in the Heavenly Father's eyes. And with this consumption, with this communion, we can proclaim His death time and again. We will not be ashamed. In fact, we will be grateful. In fact, we will be grateful for the grace and mercy given to us. Lord, if there is a confession to be made on our end, we know that when we confess, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all forms of unrighteousness. Father, we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's true, I will sing of his goodness because the fate of my calling, the fate of my mission, the fate of enemy, the fate of opposition is in his hand, is not controlled by the enemy, is not controlled by the cultures or the world or even myself. Let's dedicate this week to the Lord. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us about yourself. Lord, teaching us about ourselves and what we can do. And about teaching us the opposition which comes against your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we may sincerely, sincerely step into this week knowing that the fate of my calling is in your hands. The fate of the opposition is in your hands. And this week will be a week where I'll grow in faith. This week will be a week where I'll grow bold. This week will be a week where your kingdom will step into Delhi, will step into my home, will step into this world through my speech, through my actions, through my thoughts, through my prayers, even physically going where you would take me. 
Now may the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, the love of Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us till Lord Jesus Christ returns. Amen. Dear Church, have a fantastic week and stay safe. Uh, the week is uh, about opening up and uh, the lockdown restrictions being taken down in phases. Please be careful and uh, let's just pray where we can actually meet in person at the church. God bless you. Have a fantastic week.